Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You're about to listen to a historical episode of Dark Poutine. After episode 149, you will find Scott is no longer with the show. In an effort to maintain continuity and offer listeners as many episodes as possible, we are leaving the episodes in which he co-hosted intact. Thank you. Oh, look, that's doing its thing. Click, clack. I'm Mike Brown. Cre- oh, I should say the thing. <laughs> Getting right to it. Oh, yeah. Shit. Welcome to Dark Poutine. I'm Mike Brown, creator and host. With me as usual is my good friend and co-host, Scott Hemingway. Say hello, Scott. Hi, Scott. You're, we're back to this again. Yeah. I thought yeah. I had you trained. No, no. <laughs> no. No. No, it's a... 46 years of unlearning, you got to... Right. You know. And you probably hit your head again recently, so... Constantly. Yeah, right. Constantly. The views, information, and opinions expressed during the Dark Poutine podcast are solely those of the producer and do not necessarily represent those of Curious Cast, its affiliate Global News, nor their parent company, Chorus Entertainment. Dark Poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish. We strongly advise listener discretion... We're not experts on the topics we present, nor are we journalists. We're two ordinary Canadians chatting about crime and the dark side of history. Let's get to it. Put on your toque, grab yourself a double-double, and an Nanaimo bar. It's time to scarf down some dark poutine. There's a little oinker that time. There's a little piggy. <laughs> Listeners who feel they are in crisis can contact the Crisis Text Line in Canada by texting HOME to 686868. In the U.S. or U.K., text 741741. The service will match you with a volunteer counsellor who is supervised by a licensed, trained mental health professional. Crisis Text Line is free, 24-7 support for those in crisis. For more information, please go to crisistextline.ca in Canada or crisistextline.org globally. Let's get on with this old show. Mm-hmm. On the morning of October 22nd, 2014, a masked man with terrorist motives, armed with a rifle, ran onto the Canadian parliamentary grounds in Ottawa. The man fatally shot a Canadian soldier, Corporal Nathan Frank Cirillo, who was one of the three sentries from the ceremonial guard posted at the tomb of the unknown soldier at the war memorial. After wounding a security guard at the door of the parliamentary buildings, the murderer then fought his way into the center block where members of parliament were holding caucus meetings. Two minutes later, the 32-year-old terrorist was dead after multiple exchanges of gunfire with House of Commons Protective Service personnel. The shooter was the only other fatality that day. Thank goodness. Yeah. You're listening to Dark Poutine Episode 134, Terror on Parliament Hill, the murder of Corporal Nathan 
Cirillo. Yeah, I remember this one. Two minutes doesn't seem like a long time. No. Two minutes seems like, oh, well, they really got that taken care of quickly. But just imagine being in a building. Yeah. And for two minutes, you're hearing gunfire. Yeah. And chaos. Yeah. Like, it certainly wouldn't seem like it went by quickly if you were one of the people there. Well, uh, we have a full two and a half minutes of mm-hmm. confusion and gunfire yeah. audio yeah. that we'll play later yeah. in the episode. And um, although it did only occur over like really three minutes, there are a lot of things to discuss here. Yeah, yeah. And and I recommend when listening to it, you, they literally close your eyes and visualize yourself there. Unless you're driving, maybe don't yeah, then close don't, your yeah, eyes. Because then you'll hear a crash. Or do like performing a tattoo, anything that you need your eyes for. Right. Continue to do. Right. If not, close them and, and just imagine you're there. As it's relevant, we'll provide a small amount of history on this individual, some of which will help us understand his radicalization that led to his actions. Some things you won't hear in this episode are the name of the perpetrator, nor the audio from the cell phone video that he made before his cowardly acts laying out his motivations for the attack. His name does not deserve repeating, nor do his words. If learning the man's name and watching this video is important to you, we'll put some links in the show notes for you. Yeah. If you if you feel you need to, it it's out there. But yeah. uh, I, I love that we're not going to. No. Uh, because it, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, this guy's got nothing to say that's worth any while. No. Nope. Spot on. Nathan Frank Cirillo was born on December 23rd, 1983. He grew up in Hamilton, Ontario with his mother, Catherine Cirillo, and stepfather, Victor Briffa, as well as his two sisters, Nicole and Natasha. Nathan attended Sherwood Secondary School, and since he was 13 years old, he had demonstrated a passion for the military, expressing his desire to become a full-time soldier. I mean, that's pretty early on to figure out what you want to do with your life. I still haven't. No. (laughs) No, me neither. 46, so good on him. So the year before his high school graduation in 2007, Cirillo enlisted in the Canadian Armed Forces Primary Reserve with the Argyll and Sutherland Highlanders of Canada, and they're called the Princess Louises, Mm. from Maclean's Magazine. He was remembered by teachers as a saxophonist and a kind student with a zest for life. That's fantastic. Nathan was a large man standing over six feet tall, and he was muscle-bound at 250 pounds. So there was not, it didn't look like there was an ounce of fat on yeah. the guy. As a reservist, though, his duties were only part-time at first, so he put his size to work, helping to make ends meet, working as a bouncer at a local Hamilton nightclub and as a personal trainer at a gym. So no matter what, helping people. Right. And he was no brain-dead jock. Yeah. He was known for his sense of humor. He would rather talk a situation out than fight. Yeah. Physical force was a last resort, but he could take care of himself if he had to. If needed. He soon gave up the other jobs to focus on the military. Nathan hoped for a long career in the armed forces, and all signs pointed to that becoming a reality. Young Cirillo displayed a natural talent for leadership, and his superiors promoted him to the rank of corporal after only two years of service. That's... That's quick. That's very significant. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. And, and I love that he had a focus on trying to de-escalate situations. Mm-hmm. Violence is the last resort because that's what you want. He told his friends that he wanted to go and serve his country in Afghanistan mm-hmm. when the uh, Canadian forces were at their peak there. He yep. was keen to go, but he was too young at that point. Yeah. So he wanted to serve Canada 
and the military was the way he thought that mm-hmm. he should be doing it. Nathan had another thing driving him to succeed. When he was 19, his girlfriend gave birth to their son, Marcus. Oh. The little boy meant the world to him. He seems like that kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. Nathan also loved animals, uh, dogs in particular. He had two that he dearly loved. In September of 2014, Nathan found a puppy abandoned in Hamilton and wrote on Instagram that he was disgusted with whoever had left the dog and wanted to give them a piece of his mind. <laughs> oh, he's just, I get the sense he really wants to just stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quote, this makes me sad. This poor dog has clearly never been inside with all the mud I found on him, fleas and ticks, rashes to show how scared and timid he is about everything. And uh, he posted an Instagram video of him with the puppy. Yeah. He went on to say, the one time he's calm and collected is when he's looking at himself in the mirror thinking, it's another dog. Clearly, he just wants to be loved. Can tell he's never seen his reflection either. Oh, my heart. Jeez. Nathan was working hard to get noticed, and it worked. From McLean's Magazine, quote, Cirillo was a part-time reservist looking to set himself apart from his peers by picking up extra duties at his local armory. He and another reservist had recently been selected to stand guard at the Cenotaph, an honor which Lieutenant Colonel Lawrence Hatfield says was bestowed on them because they were among the regiment's top soldiers. Cirillo's honorary deployment to Ottawa was to last from October 13th until November 11th, Remembrance Day. Friends say Cirillo enthusiastically left for Ottawa, hoping the experience of standing guard over this country's most sacred war monument would demonstrate his devotion to the service, end quote. Oh, so stepping up to do this. Yeah. Uh, and honored to go and do this role, mm-hmm. perform this role. Now, four days before the Parliament Hill attack, there was another attack on Canadian Armed Forces members. And this was on October 20th, 2014. A radicalized 25-year-old lone wolf terrorist deliberately ran down two Canadian Forces members in Saint-Jean-sur-Richelieu in Quebec. Warrant Officer Patrice Vincent died from his injuries while another soldier was injured but survived. The RCMP and Government of Canada characterized the homicide as a terrorist act by the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant-inspired terrorist. Although everyone was on alert for copycats, no one was ready for what happened only four days later. Much of what follows, timeline-wise, is from the multiple investigations and inquiries stemming from the events on Parliament Hill on October 24th. So it was Wednesday. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a caucus day at the House of Commons, and this means that pretty much everybody is there. there. This results in center block being much busier than normal. In the reading room, where the Conservative caucus was held, there were approximately 150 members of Parliament, several senators, and the Prime Minister at the time, Stephen Harper, Scott's favorite person. (laughs) We won't get into that. Uh Uh-uh. In the railway committee room, directly across from the reading room, there were approximately 80 members of parliament, including the leader of the official opposition at the time, and that was the NDP's Thomas Mulcair. Because it was caucus day, several media teams were present, waiting to interview members of parliament as they entered and left their caucus meetings. It's just typical business. Yep, yep. 
Several members of the public, along with the House of Commons public tours, were also in the center block at the time. So lots and lots of people. Yeah, so uh, standard citizens, mm-hmm. uh, media, yep. uh, lots of parliament. Yeah. After recording a brief video manifesto explaining why he was about to do what he did, at 9.53 a.m., the shooter parked his car along Wellington Street behind the National War Memorial in downtown Ottawa. The man exited his vehicle with a loaded 3030 Winchester rifle. He ran up behind Corporal Nathan Cirillo, one of the two sentries posted at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, shooting the proud young soldier there three times in the back. Although Nathan had a rifle at his side, a standard-issue Colt Canada C7 rifle, the weapon was not loaded, following standard practice for a ceremonial guard. Bystanders overheard the gunman shouting, For Iraq! as he ran off after shooting Nathan. Yeah, and it's important to notice as well, even if the gun was loaded, he was shot in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so it you know it's a pretty craven act. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and he wouldn't have been able to defend himself because it was a surprise attack. Mm-hmm. As many others scattered, hearing the shots and seeing Nathan fall, six strangers raced to his aid. One quick-thinking bystander called nine one one, asking for an ambulance and police. From McLean's magazine, quote: Margaret Lair a nurse on her way to work at the Elizabeth Briere Hospital, was pressing her hands to a wound on Corporal Nathan Cirillo's left side to stanch the bleeding. Another corporal, a third member of the Honor Guard, who accompanies the two standing at attention, was on Cirillo's right side, pressing his hands to a wound there. Another soldier was bent over Cirillo's head, talking to him. You're doing good. You're doing good, buddy, he told Cirillo. You're breathing. Keep breathing. End quote. Imagine the trauma inflicted on those individuals. Mm. You're just living your life, going about your day as you did yesterday and planned to do tomorrow. And suddenly you're having to try to save. Someone who's wearing the exact same uniform as you Yeah, or for the, you know. uh, It's different. It's different. I can assure you it's different when you see somebody who is dressed exactly like you are. Oh, no, for sure. But even like the nurse is mm. just a regular citizen. Yeah. Uh, the other individual, I believe... There's, there were six in total. Yeah, were... and so uh, th- I'm sure this is a horror. They relive daily Yeah, and were altered uh, forever because of... After shooting Nathan and scampering away, the terrorist ran back to his vehicle, a Toyota Corolla with no license plates. He drove to the entrance of East Block on Wellington Street... Again, he left his car, carrying his rifle, and commandeered a limousine, a black Chrysler 300, that he saw parked outside the East Block Parliament buildings. The man drove the stolen car to the west side of Center Block, speeding past RCMP officers and their cruisers. Can you imagine, like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. all this stuff is happening. Yeah. Bank of Canada business development employees leaving Center Block around 9.50 a.m. after attending several morning meetings saw the black sedan driving erratically toward them as they exited the Peace Tower. The car slowed, and they watched as the driver jumped out even before the vehicle came to a uh, complete stop. Wow. The driver, who was wearing black clothes and a Palestinian scarf, or kafieh, over his face, reached back into the car and grabbed a rifle and a knife. They heard the man with the gun yell some sort of war cry, later saying that it sounded something similar to Allah Akbar, 
God is great. Mm -hmm. They watch the man with a gun run into the parliament building. You're just coming out like from a meeting and this is going on. It would just be what so goddamn surreal. Right? You're just, like, you don't you even would, know if it's like, is this a movie? Yeah. Or? Are they filming? Like you would just be, you would be frozen in, in, in confusion. Yeah. Like just bewilderment. Like. What the heck? That guy almost what, hit us, number one. You just seen the car drive up crazily and a guy jump out of it with the vehicle still moving yeah. and then running and shout. You would just be like, but not shooting at you. So you're just like, what the hell? Yeah, what just happened? Is this something serious or is this like yeah. training? When the gunman entered the Peace Tower by the front doors, he encountered two unarmed House of Commons Security Services uniform officers. Constable Samarin's son struggled with the terrorist until the man fired around that ricocheted off the floor, striking Sun in the lower leg. The wild-eyed man then pointed his rifle directly at the chest of the other officer before starting to run up the stairs. Someone yelled, gun, 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 as unarmed reporters and others in the tower dove for cover. Yeah. Holy shit. The struggle with the gunman at the entrance provided precious seconds for Mm -hmm. others to take cover. And the sound of the gunshot alerted other armed House of Commons security services to the threat. Yeah, in the audio, you'll be able to hear the uh, acoustics and, and yeah. uh, echoing of it. Three armed House of Commons security services plainclothes officers who had heard the shot were standing in the rotunda at the top of the stairs as the gunmen emerged. They drew their 9mm handguns. Among them, they fired 10 shots at the gunman as he ran north toward the Library of Parliament. As he neared the Hall of Honor, he turned and fired one round, narrowly missing another security officer was pursuing him. A fourth armed House of Commons Security Services officer fired 17 rounds at the man as he continued to run northbound in the Hall of Honor. Mm. So there's a lot of gunfire in here. Yeah, and, and it's a, a really difficult combat zone because there are people... Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. So when you're having to open fire, fire back on somebody, it's extreme. Everything's even more heightened because mm-hmm. having to be aware, somebody could peek their head out of a door, walk around a corner trying to... Yeah, so thank God these are trained professionals. Right. The man reached the end of the hall concealing himself behind a cement pillar near the doors to the Library of Parliament. Several members of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, RCMP, responded and entered the centre block. Four of them formed into a diamond IARD, or Immediate Action Rapid Development Formation. They proceeded in the direction of the Library of Parliament, and all this was captured on video. It's quite amazing to watch. In his office, near where the man hid... Kevin Vickers, the sergeant-at-arms of the House of Commons, overheard the commotion and gunfire. Vickers, 57, was a distinguished policeman, commander, and administrator with the RCMP before he joined the staff of the House of Commons in 2005. He grabbed his 9mm handgun from the lockbox in his office and entered the hall. Vickers' security team, which had been chasing the man, yelled to Vickers that the suspect was hiding in the alcove near him. Vickers immediately ran behind the other side of a nearby column and hid, waiting to make his move. When the RCMP officers were within 10 feet of the shooter, the man fired one round, narrowly missing the officers. Vickers saw this as his chance and dove past the column and fired upward at the gunman. 
At the same time, RCMP Constable Curtis Barrett, leading the tactical formation we mentioned before, fired the shot that killed the gunman after the shooter fired his last shot. CBC television cameras on scene recorded over 30 shots fired in the final gunfight. By 9.55, three minutes after the whole incident had started, it was over. Jesus, Vickers is, he's like the real John McClane almost. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. my God. Even though the gunman was dead, the RCMP cuffed him and called for medical assistance. They knew he did, he wouldn't need it, but it's You're still, protocol. somebody could be faking the death and have a bomb. You never know. And well, so. I saw an interview with somebody who said that it was very clear he was not faking. <laughs> and I don't know what that means, yeah. essentially, but it was very clear to them. Probably. Well, it could have been. We'll like, get, in, we'll get yeah. into, we mentioned this person's autopsy a little later. Oh, okay. And it'll, right. it'll, you'll it'll clarify. Why. Yeah. Here's some of the audio of that time when all this went down. And again, credit for this audio goes to the CBC News crews that were covering the Parliament buildings that day. The chaotic audio you're about to hear is intense. Please proceed with caution. And again, listener discretion is strongly advised for this. That bang was the gunman's last shot. What follows are the shots that killed him. some pandemonium yeah it will it's a compandemonium like watching it you can just see how everybody's brain is just like thinking a thousand things there's chaos in everybody's brain hmm. but it was pretty um well responded to and like people just kind of knew 
Here's there was some you... looks of oh. bewilderment on the faces. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it's, you know, it's not like watching uh, the Boston Marathon bombing where you just had this massive people yeah. and it's just chaos. This is more... Uh, controlled chaos. Controlled, but you can just like... Oh. The group outside attending to Corporal Cirillo waited for an ambulance as they did what they could for the young man bleeding out at the war memorial. Yeah. One of the Good Samaritans with Nathan, a lawyer... Barbara Winters recited the Lord's Prayer as she knelt over the young man from McLean's magazine. She talked to Cirillo. He was conscious, his eyes were open, and he was staring straight ahead. She, she felt that he could hear. You're a good man. You're a brave man, she told him. Someone, Winters can't remember who, said the soldier had stopped breathing. They began trying to find a pulse, one, one feeling his neck, one his wrist. Remarkably, Everyone on scene had first aid or medical training. Instinctively, they began operating as a team, talking to and encouraging one another. Oh, my God. The paramedics arrived, and after taking over care of Nathan, loaded him into the ambulance and rushed him to a nearby hospital. Doctors tried to save the young man there, but it was too late. His wounds had been fatal. Kevin Vickers walked away from the gunman's body as the RCMP had the situation in hand. Vickers entered the conservative caucus room and explained what had transpired. Reports quote Vickers saying, I put him down and I have engaged the suspect. He is deceased. Oh my God, how professional. It was the first time Kevin Vickers had shot anyone in his long policing yeah. career. You, you would think that leaving the force and going to work at Parliament yeah, he probably thought this is going to be just like a... This will uh, be, yeah, this, you know, I'm, it does I'm getting... It with its challenges, For sure, I'm but sure. you're thinking I'm leaving a job with a high likelihood of gun violence yeah. to one where at least this won't be a concern. Yeah, maybe, yeah. You know, and but nope. But it's still amazing. Like, you could see how well-trained this guy was. Oh, for it, sure. Yeah, he quickly unlocked... The safety, uh, the lockbox lock that had his gun. It, it takes me two minutes to lock my door yeah, at that, home. That's problematic. It, it is. But yet, like, within seconds, he's unlocking the lockbox and engaging mm -hmm. a terrorist. Following the shooting, Stephen Harper's RCMP security detail arrived and safely evacuated him from Parliament buildings as the investigations began. Two other people went to the hospital with minor wounds that day resulting from the gunfire. Both were released quickly. Security officials locked down the House of Commons for most of the day as they tried to determine that whether there were other gunmen and that the threat had indeed passed. Mm -hmm. And we'll take a break right here. And we're back thoughts yeah um i can imagine the chaos to ensue very quickly afterwards with the rcmp everybody involved in regards to okay is this going to be one of many coordinated events mm. you know uh, so you're going to immediately have all other uh government buildings on high alert and on lockdown and like the, the ripple uh effect of this would have been huge in that moment and just lots of phone calls being made, lots of speculation, uh, lots of, you know, lots of places being shut down. Oh, for sure. 
um, just lots of confusion. And there was that on the news. I remember yep. watching the yep. news and people weren't sure whether this guy had acted alone. Were they searching for another gunman? Where did this car come from? Yep. Uh, the car had actually turned out he had purchased the day before for $650 <laughs> and he just hadn't bothered to get license plates for it. He, he was, he only bought it for this one purpose. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, shit. yeah. Yeah. Cause you do see, I mean, we do see on occasion, uh, terrorist attacks happen in multiples, mm -hmm. you know, you multiple events in, in a sequence. Well, so, 9-11 was like that, for example. 9-11, uh, we've seen a lot of subway bombings where that kind mm. of thing has happened. Uh, Paris. Yes, Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not uncommon. So for sure, once an event like this happens, you're going to, we don't know if this is a lone wolf or yeah. well-planned. Thankfully, in this case, it was a yes. lone wolf. The condolences for Nathan Cirillo poured in from around the world, expressing concern for the attack on the unarmed man in our country's parliament. Nathan Cirillo's body was returned to Hamilton for burial, with thousands lining the route, saluting solemnly as the soldier's hearse carrying his body passed. <sighs> News organizations broadcast live streams of Nathan Cirillo's funeral. His five-year-old son, Marcus, was there to see his dad off. And I don't know how much a five-year-old understands what's going on. Um, Enough to be traumatized. I was four when I found my stepmom yeah. hanging. So, um, But, I uh, mean, he, he, all he knows is that his dad isn't around anymore. He, at this but point. He's, gonna re, he, he's going to remember this massive crowd of people there. Mm. I never saw my dad again. There's more than enough there to uh, traumatize that poor kid. From inside Ottawa Valley, quote, Wearing a cap from his father's Argyll and Sutherland Highlanders Regiment, Marcus was among the family who followed the funeral procession. Cirillo's flag-draped casket on a military gun carriage from Bayfront Park to the cathedral and then again outside behind the hearse to the cemetery. Marcus has been the focal point of an outpouring of condolences and public grief, including during special activities such as puck drops at local hockey games for the young boy to highlight the honor in which the country holds his father. Mm -hmm. As the service began, Cirillo's emotionally distraught mother, Kathy, was helped to her seat as her son's military colleagues moved the flag-draped casket from the carriage into the cathedral and to the nave. Among friends and other dignitaries uh, to speak at the funeral was our prime minister at the time, Stephen Harper. Here's some audio of what Mr. Harper had to say. We're gathered here today to give thanks for the life of Corporal Nathan Cirillo, struck down last week in the service of his country. His country, our country, our Canada. Ever desiring peace, Canada has been built upon the noblest ideals, freedom, democracy, human rights, and the rule of law. And for as long as these ideals have been the foundation of our country, it has been our men and women in uniform who have been, in the end, their ultimate guardians. Corporal Cirillo was a member of one of Canada's great regiments, the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders of Canada, Princess Louise's. In more than a century of service, with honours earned from the Somme to Afghanistan, this regiment's record of courage under fire is as distinctive as their kilts 
and their Glengarrys. To quote Captain Sam Chapman, who served with the regiment during the Second World War, it is a history written in blood. Now, sadly, Corporal Cirillo has added another page to that great narrative of devotion unto death. In a bitter and truly heart-wrenching irony, he did so as he guarded Canada's national place of solemn, sacred remembrance. Canadians come together at our National War Memorial in the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier beside it to honour those who have given their lives for their country. As Canadians, we stand there humble and grateful. These monuments remind us that freedom is never free. It has been earned by the soldier and then donated to all of us. Most of us can never truly understand the significance to a soldier of the simple act of standing reverently on guard at that place. But those chosen for this sought-after assignment, this vigil at the National War Memorial and over the unknown soldier's grave, they understand. Corporal Cirillo, who felt the calling of a soldier when he was just a 13-year-old cadet, he understood. He knew what he was protecting and what he was preserving. He died protecting and preserving it. And I'm pleased to note that after only a brief interruption on Friday past, the Honour Guard at that sacred place officially resumed its duties. Corporal Cirillo knew what all those men and women who died before him also knew. The only values really worth living for are those worth dying for. So may God bless Corporal Nathan Cirillo. We are better for his life and we are diminished by his loss. And I know Canadians everywhere join me in praying for Corporal Cirillo's family. His mother, Catherine, his father, Victor, his sisters, Nicole and Natasha, their partners, Richard and Jonathan, his nephew, Cameron, as they shoulder this terrible burden of grief. May time ease the searing pain of today. And may his son, young Marcus Daniel Cirillo, someday find comfort in the fact that our entire country looks up to his dad with pride, with gratitude, with deep abiding respect. As Canadians, we will persevere, taking strength from the legacy of service of Corporal Cirillo and giving thanks all the more for the courage and dedication of all the men and women of the Canadian Armed Forces. May God bless them all, and may God keep our land glorious and free. Well, so there you go. Yeah, uh, personal views on the man, uh, Harper himself. Um, yeah. that, w that was a good speech. It was a, a dignified send -off. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so uh, good on um, him. Yeah. Good on him for, for being there and, and paying tribute. And that's all we're going to say about yeah. Stephen Harper. Yeah. In this moment, he shined. That moment. Yeah, there was just a few minutes there. Yeah. After the service concluded, the crowd followed Nathan Cirillo's casket outside. From InsideOttawaValley.com, 
only the shuffling feet of Argyles carrying the casket on their shoulders and the occasional snort of a mounted police officer's horse were audible during the wait for the last stage of Cirillo's journey to begin. He was buried at a private interment at a nearby cemetery after the day's second procession through the downtown streets. Mm. Heavy. The week of Nathan's funeral, retired Lieutenant Colonel J.R.W. McLaughlin of Stormont, Dundas, and Glengarry Highlanders wrote a widely published letter to five-year-old Marcus Cirillo with the hope of comforting the youngster as he grows up without his dad. It reads in part, To the son of Corporal Nathan Cirillo, You and I have never met, but I felt that at this time I wanted to share some thoughts about your father. I have asked that your grandparents show you this letter at a time that they feel is appropriate. I did not know your dad, but, like him, I was a member of the Canadian Armed Forces Reserves and also a brother member of the Highland Brigade, having served with and led the Stormont, Dundas, Glengarry Highlanders in Cornwall, Ontario. Please remember the picture of your dad, Corporal Nathan Cirillo, standing proud in the dress uniform of the Argyll and Sutherland Highlanders. Remember the stern and proud look on his face as he stood honoring the tomb of the unknown soldier with his rifle in the rest-on-your-arms-reversed drill position. He was not in a combative stance. He was in a stance of honor, loyalty, remembrance, and love for the many who had given their lives for Canada, who to him and us are not known. In a matter of weeks, Canada will join together on November 11th to remember our fallen military women and men. On that day at 11 a.m. and all succeeding Remembrance Days, we will add Corporal Nathan Cirillo to those whom we remember. Quote, At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. End quote. Be strong and remember your father as a true Canadian patriot. Dilias Gubaz, faithful unto death, J.R.W. McLaughlin, C.D., Lieutenant Colonel, retired, past commanding officer. Oh, wow. That's uh, a beautiful gesture. That's a beautiful... Um, mm-hmm. That's what you want in leaders. Yep. That's what you want from people in positions of authority mm-hmm. is compassion. Compassion. Compassion when called for and... Humanity. Huma- yes, genuine compassion and humanity. We don't see a lot of that in the world currently. No, no, sadly. Remembrance Day was particularly solemn in Ottawa that year, with the usual crowd of thousands bolstered by the recent death of Corporal Cirillo. The government soon announced that they would unify the various security forces of the House of Commons and the Senate under one command. Mm. The existence of the two separate forces had been identified as a point of failure in the October 22nd incident. Other areas suggested to be addressed was the need for better surveillance equipment, including a central surveillance officer and a lack of networking between the forces, including the RCMP. So a lot of things did come as far as positive changes to security in the parliament buildings. It's sad that someone had to die for... Yeah, it's sad that they're such common sense things, but I completely can understand how those kind of things can make it through unaddressed because it's easy to, if things are working smoothly, yeah, it's easy to not pay attention to those glaring 
areas of opportunity right, yeah. because things have worked smoothly and have worked smoothly forever. And so it's not, I, I don't think at any point in time, anybody's like, yeah, who cares? We don't need to. Like, no, it wasn't It, like it just was a, a, a missed opportunity mm -hmm. and uh, they quickly rectified those areas. Yeah. And like you said, sadly, somebody died for that to have to happen, but yeah. Typically, for change to happen, there's there has to be a precipitating event anyway. You're spot on. Yeah. So we'll get into a bit about the gunman here. There's not a lot. Good. Um, because, like I said, I don't feel like he deserves much remembering. No, he doesn't. The gunman had been born on October 16, 1982, in Quebec City, Quebec. His father was Libyan, and his mother was French-Canadian. And she was the deputy chairwoman of the Immigration Division of the Immigration and Refugee Board of Canada at the time of the incident. Interesting. The young man spent his youth in eastern Canada. He traveled to Libya before moving to western Canada to become a miner and a laborer, living in Calgary and more recently Vancouver. Hmm. Baptized Roman Catholic, he converted to Islam in 2004 changing his name to include Islamic things, and had attended Sunni Muslim mosques in Burnaby and Vancouver. According to Wikipedia, the future gunman became a habitual offender with an extensive criminal record for several offenses, including larceny, drug possession, and parole violations. He had received several criminal convictions, at least one of which resulted in a sentence of 60 days incarceration. In November 2001, just after his 19th birthday, he was convicted of possessing a false credit card and impaired driving. In 2004, he pleaded guilty to drug possession for marijuana and PCP. He failed to appear at the trial date in 2006, but appeared three years later to plead guilty to marijuana possession and was given a discharge. In 2011, he was charged with robbery and uttering threats in Vancouver uh, against another man but only convicted of the lesser charge of uttering threats. He claimed that he committed the 2011 robbery so that he would be incarcerated to kick his drug habit. He received a psychiatric evaluation, but was determined to be fit for trial. Hmm. Okay. The man had been in Ottawa since early October 2014 and was living in a homeless shelter there. The man had told other shelter residents that he was quote, anti-Canadian, and to pray because, quote, the end of the world is coming. Another resident reported that the man had shown a lot of interest in the Parliament buildings, including asking how easy it was to get into the buildings. The origins of the rifle he was carrying that day are still unknown. Hmm. But he had taken the knife from a relative's home. Well, given his, his past, his mm -hmm. criminal past... Wouldn't put it past him uh, just breaking into somebody's property and stealing it, you know? Like Yeah. And there are, some people believe, well, he was in Libya. He was doing some things there that yeah. may have. Yeah. Of course, that would be something definitely mm -hmm. to look into. I could understand why people would feel that way. From the OPP's report on the events of Parliament Hill, quote, a post-mortem examination of the body of the gunman was performed on October 24th and 25th, 2014, at the Eastern Ontario Regional Forensic Pathology Unit at the Ottawa General Hospital. During the autopsy, 31 gunshot wounds were located on the body and are described as follows. Wow. Three were grazing, one, 
Three were grazing or tangential wounds that were on the left side of the body. All of these wounds were superficial. Two, five were superficial perforating wounds that had an entry and exit site. So they went into the flesh and out. Yep. Three, eight were penetrating wounds that had an entry site with the bullet remaining in the body. Four, 15 were perforating wounds that had an entry and exit site. Five, one of the perforating and one of the penetrating wounds listed above may represent a perforating wound with a re-entry into the body, i.e. a single bullet caused an entrance wound, an exit wound, a re-entry wound, and then lodged in the soft tissue of the right thigh. Mm. So it probably ricocheted off a wall or something and back no, into No, no, it him. went back They believe him. that it went directly through him oh. and back into him. Also a, uh, a JFK kind of yeah, magical kind of bullet. Yeah. Yeah. Examination of these 31 wounds revealed that two would have been rapidly fatal independently, and several others were potentially independently fatal without prompt medical attention. Mm. And so rapidly fatal means pretty much instant. Instant death, yeah. From a CNN report, the gunman had connections to jihadists in Canada who shared a radical Islamist ideology, including at least one who went overseas to fight in Syria. Multiple U.S. sources told uh, CNN. According to two U.S. counterterrorism officials, the man was connected to Hezbollah Yusufzai through social media. Yusufzai is wanted by Canadian authorities for traveling overseas to fight alongside Islamic fighters in Syria. The Globe and Mail, a Canadian newspaper, reported. Other radicalized individuals connected to the shooter are still believed to be in Canada, two U.S. law enforcement officials said. Early indications are that his connections involved interactions online, including via Islamic extremist websites, a U.S. source told CNN. There is no evidence so far that he had any, quote, operational links to other jihadists, according to the source, who drew distinction between interacting online and plotting an mm-hmm. attack. When asked by CNN Christian Amanpour if the gunman was linked to a wider network of jihadists, Canadian Foreign Minister John Baird said, quote, There's no evidence at this stage for us to know that. That's something the authorities are looking at right now. It's interesting to see how he was radicalized by, you know, going to these websites and interacting quote well, unquote, maybe posting on these sites and all that kind of stuff. Those sites are very predatory in that sense of they are grooming disenfranchised people. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they're trying to make you feel like, oh, here's my voice. Here's a place where I belong. Yeah. Nobody else gets me. They get me. It's like a cult. It very much is. Mm -hmm. And so it's predatory and it pulls in vulnerable people. Uh, Like I'm sure he was. Um, angry people, very, mm-hmm. yeah. You, you, in order to carry it on, act like this. There's got to be a huge amount of deep-seated rage in somebody. Before we end this episode, we want to talk a little bit about terrorism in Canada in a broader way, mm. as this is our first episode on the topic. Prior to 2001, authorities have had their eyes on numerous extremist entities, both inside and outside of this country. Mm-hmm. Still, the acts undertaken in the United States on 9-11 got the world's attention. Yes. People were afraid, 
After that day, it was clear that terrorist attacks were possible, not only in the U.S., but the rest of the world as well, including here at home. Yeah, no more safe zones. From the Canadian Department of Justice post on the Anti-Terrorism Act, or ATA, quote, Post 9-11, the government undertook an evaluation of existing federal legislation, including the Criminal Code, the Canada Evidence Act, the Proceeds of Crime Money Laundering Act. It was assessed that current legislation had to be amended in order to combat terrorism. In October 15, 2001, ATA was introduced as Bill 36, an act to amend the Criminal Code, the Official Secrets Act, the Canadian Evidence Act, the Proceeds of Crime Act, and other acts, and to enact measures respecting the registration of charities in order to combat terrorism, end quote. And because some of these charities, these things posing as charities, were actually organizations where terrorists were laundering money Mm. to pay for schools in Pakistan that were actually training. Not schools. Not schools. They were not schools. According to the Canadian Justice Department, comprehensive terrorism offenses created in the criminal code include knowingly participating in or contributing to any activity of a terrorist group for the purpose of enhancing the ability of any terrorist group or of any terrorist group to facilitate or carry out a terrorist activity, knowingly facilitating a terrorist activity, commission of a serious, i.e. indictable offense for the benefit of, at the direction of, or in association with a terrorist group, knowingly instructing anyone to carry out a terrorist activity for a terrorist group, knowingly harboring and or concealing any person who has carried out or is likely to carry out a terrorist activity for the purpose of enabling the person to facilitate or carry out any terrorist activity, and collecting, providing, or making available, using or possessing property for certain activities slash purposes terrorist financing. Yeah, so that's a, there's a lot of different things that you, yep. you can do that are against the criminal code now to facilitate terrorism or be a party yep. to. Yep. The RCMP's Terrorism and Violent Extremism Awareness Guide, published in 2016, which I will link to in our show notes on darkpoutine.com, lists 54 global terrorist organizations, including familiar names like Daesh and Al-Qaeda. The paper cites nine right-wing extremist groups, organizations, and ideologies, including the KKK, mm-hmm. Blood and Honor, and Heritage Front. Six left-wing extremist groups and organizations and ideologies, including Anonymous, Red and Anarchist Skinheads, or Rash, mm. and the Black Block. They also list sole motivation groups, organizations, and ideologies with names like Animal Liberation Front, Earth Liberation Front, and Freeman on the Land. So I'm glad you included this list because it is quite wide-ranging. We get so caught up in Anglo culture to associate terrorism with Middle Eastern people. Mm -hmm. The reality of it is that's not... Those guys in the White Hoods are terrorists. Absolutely. Let's look at Timothy McVeigh. Mm Mm-hmm. He's certainly not Middle Eastern. He was radicalized by the the Turner Diaries. If yep. you've ever read that book, I haven't, but I know I very. Have. I know it's quite it very disturbing. Yeah, and, and so it, it's we need to get rid of this 
belief that terrorism is a Middle Eastern no activity. It's, There's it's plenty not. of it that's homegrown. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, I'm glad you included that list because they are all groups to be terrified of and, and to be watched. As of this writing, any group listed as a terrorist entity has its funds immediately frozen by the federal government oh, sweet. and potentially seized and or forfeited. Yeah. So, hey, you know what? That house that you are holding your meetings in, that belongs to the country. Yeah. See you later. I guess the challenge is the money laundering side of it and trying to hide where the proceeds are coming and going to. But uh, it's good to know that once found, yeah, we it's our car now. Yeah. According to the Public Safety Commission's 2018 public report on terrorism threat to Canada since 2001, including the one we are talking about here, there have been other acts of terrorism within the borders of Canada. They are listed here. In 2006, the Toronto 18, in June 2006, 18 individuals arrested for planning attacks in major Canadian cities. And a lot of these people are, you may not have heard of. Yep. 2013, via rail plot. Two individuals arrested for plotting to derail passenger train traveling between New York and Toronto. I remember that one very well. In July of 2013, here in British Columbia, two individuals were arrested for planning to detonate two pressure cooker bombs before Canada Day celebrations at the BC legislature in Victoria. They have since been exonerated. Yeah, that is a fascinating case unto itself. And and we, we will, were... We will be covering that. Actually. We were at uh, a Canada Day celebration in Cloverdale. I at remember that, me, you, day. and Carol when we got, heard the news and everything. Yeah. So, yeah. October 2014, a vehicular attack in Quebec killed a Canadian soldier and wounded another. That was... Uh, that was the one we mentioned, we mentioned earlier. earlier yeah. And then October 2014 was Nathan Cirello. March 2016, a man was arrested in Toronto following a knife attack in Canadian Armed Forces Recruitment Centre, which a sur- uh, soldier was wounded. In t- August of 2016, a Daesh supporter in Strathroy, Ontario, who intended to detonate a homemade explosive device, was killed by police. I remember that mm-hmm. as well. June 2017, a woman entered a Canadian tire store in Toronto, Ontario with a number of weapons and tried to attack a number of people. September 2017, a man was arrested in Edmonton, Alberta after he crashed through a traffic barricade at a CFL Armed Forces Appreciation Game and ran down a police officer, stabbed him, and then fled the scene. I remember that very, remember, very well. I remember that one, not the other one, though. Later that evening, the man was pulled over in a rented U-Haul at a, tre- at a checkpoint. He fled the checkpoint and was pursued. In the pursuit, the man ran down four pedestrians on a busy street. Terrible. Yeah. After the release of the 2018 report, there have been other incidents, all lone wolf attacks, including three incel-motivated attacks, two in 2018. I was going to ask if those were, yeah. And one in February of 2020. Fucking incels. On February 21st, 2020, a terrorist terrorist killed a 64-year-old woman in Toronto, attacking her with a hammer. The killer chose the victim at random. The attacker left a note on the victim's body expressing support for terrorism. He was arrested and charged with a terrorism offense. 
And like I mentioned before, we do plan on covering some of these other mm-hmm. events because they are compelling. They very, are really compelling. Very, very, and yeah. the storytelling around them is really, yeah. the facts are yeah. interesting. Yep. Yep. The, that Canada Day one that we, yeah, that that is just such a fascinating. And it, it's, uh, it's quite a black mark on the RCMP to tell it, you the truth. It really is. Yeah. It, you know, it, it includes a topic that we... The Mr. Big. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get into it at mm-hmm. one point. It seems like an extensive list, but authorities thwarted a few of these. And thankfully, um, in many cases, no one got hurt. But we, we don't want to minimize the fact that there are people who have been affected by terrorism no. incidents in Canada. No, no. But they are rare. Yes. There are a few studies to choose from when it comes to researching the likelihood of dying from a terrorist attack. My research led me to an article with some rather informative comparisons. Hmm. A post on data scientist Zishan Ul-Hassan Usmani's LinkedIn profile titled Odds of Dying in a Terrorist Attack hmm. lists several causes of death that are more likely to occur than expiring during an act of terrorism. Okay. Quote, the overall average of dying in any kind of terrorist attack worldwide is one in 9.3 million. Mm-hmm. And, and you really have to break that down even more. We are, and we're going to. In contrast, you're 14 times more likely to die in your bathtub than in a terrorist attack. 11 times more likely to die by slipping during a shower. 16 times by lightning. 517 times more likely to be murdered. There is an average of one murder every 60 seconds worldwide. 991 times more likely to die by self-injury. 500 times more likely to die in a car accident. 3,000 people every day. 450 times by falling. 118 times by accidental drowning. 41 times in natural disasters, earthquake, flood, etc. 25 times by choking on food, 13 times by a dog bite. Mm -hmm. So you are 13 times more likely to die by a dog bite than you are to die at the hands of a terrorist. Whoever did this never met my dog. (laughs) He's very tiny. 1.8 million times more likely to die by heart disease, 1,860 times more likely by electrocution, 93 times by bee sting, and three times more likely to die by a snake bite or food poisoning. Yeah. So if you're not, he goes on to say, if you're not convinced, here's another interesting set of facts. The odds of being an astronaut are one in 13.2 million. So, so you are more likely to be killed by a terrorist than being an astronaut. But not egregiously so. Right. But you are more likely... To win a gold medal. One in 662,000 people win a gold medal in the Olympics. The odds of becoming president are almost comparable to being killed by a terrorist. One in 10 million. Jesus. The odds of sighting a UFO today are quite good. One in 3 million. So three times more uh, likely to uh, see a UFO than you are to be killed by a, a terrorist. And... Uh, I think this person's most favorite was odds of dating a supermodel, one in 88,000. So you're more likely to date a supermodel than you are to be killed. Does co-hosting with the supermodel count, Mike? Because I'm looking over at you. <sighs> See, but so what I was going to say too, when you look at that one in nine million, 
uh, likelihood worldwide of being yeah. uh, killed by a terrorism attack. I think you 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 can even break da- break that down further because depending uh, on the country, you live the, in. yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, predominantly certain areas uh, are the hub of terrorist attacks. Whereas yeah. if you break it down to the odds of being killed in a terrorist attack in Canada, it's probably just yeah minuscule uh, yeah and and so but even just worldwide one in nine million that's still a scary number but yeah n- yeah i'm not gonna I'm ufo not gonna, yeah i'm not gonna hide one under my million, bed yeah i mean i i i don't live my life and i guess this is part of a geographic privilege um mm-hmm. i don't live my life overly concerned about a terrorist attack i'm not naive to think it's yeah. not possible Yep. For sure, I'm aware. I remember when the 2010 Olympics were happening. Yeah. I was very concerned. I was always watching myself on public transit or watching others on public transit because that's an event where mm-hmm. something uh, is likely to have happened. But no, I don't. I don't have to live my life um, concerned, thinking that it's it's going no, to happen. We are very and I lucky don't. Here. And I don't want to. But yeah, a lot of that is geographic pr- privilege. If I lived in Libya, uh, you know, I might not feel the same way. Yeah. Sergeant-at-arms Kevin Vickers was held up a hero and received a standing ovation as he tearfully entered the House of Commons for its first sitting after the attack. Vickers retired his position there after being appointed to the position of ambassador to Ireland Mm. in 2015. On May 26, 2016, Vickers engaged a protester who was interrupting a ceremony commemorating British soldiers who were killed in the 1916 Easter Rising, dragging the man to one side before handing him to the guard eye officers. Old habits die hard. Uh, yeah, see, John McLean. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and that's it for this week's oh. case. Our show notes on darkpatine.com will include some anti-terrorism links, as well as... a. Uh, uh, as well as um, signs to look for mm-hmm. uh, that may point to someone you know who is becoming radicalized. You know, a thing I like about uh, this episode is that, you know, again, we're showing the world that Canada isn't just this utopia of peace mm-hmm. and everything is hunky-dory and just we're all bathing in gravy. Um, we do have terrible events that happen here. But I think what's always important is to juxtapose that with other parts of the world, some to the south of us, and what do we do after the events? Right. What do we learn from it? How do we grow as a, a as a society? And Hopefully as a that's country? where we stand out in that way. Yeah, because we're not Teflon. Like, things will happen to us here. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, we respond positively as a country right and grow from it and you know i think that's ideally what i I pull from topics like this yeah yeah i i hope we can cover some more uh, of these there's there's a couple of court cases that i'm watching and Mm. um as the outcomes are known in those we'll probably be talking about a, a few more quite high profile cases oh cool um so that's interesting um, the one, um, our friend Deb Barnhill sent me a message over the weekend mm-hmm. or over this week saying that, uh, the Christopher Garnier, the man who murdered the young police officer in Halifax oh, yes. uh, was denied his appeal. So what, oh, a sh- what a shame. He's not getting terrible. out of jail anytime soon. That's terrible. Or he's going to rot. 
Hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah, he can just rot there. I don't care. Exactly. All right. I guess it's time for us to get into some voicemails. Uh, you can leave us one at one eight seven seven three two seven five seven eight six or one eight seven seven D A R K P T N. If your call stands out, you might hear it on the show. And let's see oh, if wow. any of our calls stood out this week. Oh, I'm please, pretty certain that they did. Please stand out. Please stand out. Hi, Mike. Hello, Scott. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I wanted to drop you a line to say how much I appreciate your podcast. The balance you strike between compassion for the victims and comedy is unrivaled in the true crime universe. I listen to a lot of true crime. I am so proud of how you represent the best of what it is to be Canadian. Because I'm Canadian. Keep up the good work. From Winnipeg, Manitoba, this has been Heck Yes, Vegas. Go shit in your hat. Ah, yes. Heck yes, Vegas. Uh, we did talk about her, remember? That was, it's one of our patrons. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Vegas, Winnipeg. It's easy to confuse the two. Heck yes, Vegas from Winnipeg. Yeah, it's easy to confuse the two. Uh, I love, <laughs> I've I've never, I've, it's the first time I've ever been a part of something where it has been said to me, to us, longtime listener, first time caller yeah as somebody who grew up listening to like talk radio all Art, the time Art bell no never i never listened to Art bell but you didn't no ever? i never got into it but what? like always listening to political shows on cknw and stuff like that and just every time it was a hey first time caller oh, right. long time listener and it's like lefties in your oh family. shit somebody said somebody said that to me yeah wow isn't that weird wow yeah wow. yeah we appreciate that that yeah. means a lot to us Thank you. Heck yes, Vegas. Heck yes, Dean. Vegas. <laughs> that was kind of fun. It was. Uh, let's listen to another one here. I'm sure there are more. What are you at, boys? I'm trying to get a hold of you guys for a while, but stuff kept coming off. Um, I'm from Newfoundland. I'm super, super happy to have come across your podcast because it keeps me company while I'm cleaning schools every day. Um, Keep up the great work. Uh, come to Newfoundland. I would love, love, love to meet you guys. And, well, the wives. That would be awesome. Um, go shit in your hat. Bye, guys. <laughs> well, that's our first call from uh, the furthest province east, Newfoundland. Oh, my Newfoundland. God. That accent alone makes me need to go there. I heart Newf Newfoundlanders. Oh, my God. I heart them so much. Oh, uh, same. Oh, that was lovely. Yeah. Oh, my God. And and thank you for listening to us while you're cleaning schools. That just like, wow, what a smile that's giving me. It's <laughs> just amazing. Isn't it a cheery accent? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. She could have been... Talking a, about like a, you know. She could have been apologizing to me for murdering my dog. Yeah. And I would still just be like, oh, that's okay. No, no problem. It's all good. Don't worry. Mistakes happen. Oh, like, yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's listen to one more. And this one looks like it's coming from Alberta, our neighbors to the east. Oh, hey, Mike and Scott. My name's Ada. I'm from Airdrie, Alberta, just uh, 10 minutes north of Calgary. I just wanted to say thank you so much for uh, the podcast. It's really entertaining, informative, respectful. I, I like basically everything about it. Um, I also wanted to say thank you for the Yumber Yard because it's a really great group. I love that, um, you know, I'm a mother of six, 45 years old, and it's such a great, diverse set of people. 
different ages, different cultures, different genders, and everybody is so respectful and welcoming. I just uh, really, really love it, love the podcast, and thank you guys so much. Well, that's awesome. That was wonderful to hear. Thank you so much. That is really wonderful to hear. Uh, Airdrie. Airdrie. Albert, Albert. Never been? Outside Calgary. Oh, I've been through there. Have I've you? been through I, mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, thank you very much. That was a really, really kind voicemail. And we're glad you feel at home in our group. Yeah. Welcome. Well, you may have been there for a while, but you, you know what I'm saying. You, yeah. You get it. Here's one that's a, a little longer, but it's from Nova Scotia. Let's do it. Let's now. have a listen. Hey, Mike and Scott. This is Trevor calling from Nova Scotia. I uh, love the show. Been scarfing down the episodes, even though I'm vegan, so I don't normally eat poutine. Um, I live in Halifax now. I grew up on the south shore of Nova Scotia and spent most of my youth in Mike's hometown of Bridgewater. In fact, the baseball field at the Michelin plant there is actually named after my father, John McLean. Uh, I just love the Nova Scotia content when you guys cover it. Uh, the Mike Met a Monster episode really hit home for me because I know that area very well, including the museum and that creepy little park he tried to drag you into. So uh, thanks for sharing your story, Mike, and I'm really glad you got away. Uh, I just finished the Humboldt Broncos episode. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I cried. I'm a big sports guy, and that tragedy impacted me a lot. I left my sticks out on the steps for at least a month afterwards. So thanks for helping me find some closure around that. So thanks for all the great entertainment, guys, and uh, keep up the great work, and go shit in your hat. Thanks for that, Trevor. Um, and Trevor grew up in Bridgewater. How about and him? how many John McClane references do I we know. need in one we, episode? Just, they just keep coming. <laughs> but uh, That's so cool, though, that he like spent so much time yeah. in the city you grew up in. It's not a city. The, the town. There's 8,000 people there. The, we have more people in the Yumber Yard. The municipality you grew up in. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah, that's that's very cool. We cut some of his voicemail off because he talks about a particular case in Nova Scotia that mm. I plan to cover at mm. some point very soon. And he also mentions that it is before the courts right now. Um, there's an appeal happening, and I am waiting for the outcome of that before yeah. I tackle this show. Uh, 99% of the time we want to have cases seen through to their conclusion. Yeah. The odd time we'll, we'll have something Obviously missing or, person's cases. Yes. Yeah. We can't, we can't see those through to conclusion because that would be pointless. Yes. But, uh, yeah, that if something, happen, yeah. if something is still pending in court, we like to see it out. Yep. All right. That's it for voicemails. Holy macaroni we had some good ones this week so oh, thank you yeah. folks and again you can leave one for us at one 327 5786 or 1-877-D-A-R-K-P-T-N and I guess it's time to move on to Patreon shoutouts yes it right is yes, Patreon it is. Patreon wow that was uh, that was uncomfortable that was it, that's the proper word it's uncomfortable. I think, I think I'm going to do all my Patreon shoutouts <laughs> like an old man today. Well, that's a way to do it. Okay. Well, if I'm doing it like an old man, first we have... Oh, my goodness. This looks like Chelsea Knievel. Oh. Like as an evil Knievel. Oh, 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 oh my oh, goodness. Oh. Chelsea Knievel. Maybe it's Knievel. But she's from Calgary, Alberta. Oh yes, we we know where that is. Yes, it's it's quite Calgary. I'm Mike. Pardon? How's your hearing? What? 
Okay. Last Thursday. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, only on Friday. Uh, only on Fridays. That's when you have the porridge. Only carrots. Yes. <laughs> um. All right. So, well, thank you to Chelsea Knievel from yeah. Calgary. Well, what does she do? I think she probably has some sort of job. <laughs> she does have some sort of job. Yes. Okay. Well, you're off to a great start, Grandpa. Uh, or Papa. Uh, so uh, you would think with the name Knievel. She is a stunt lady. She would be a stunt lady. Yes. And you'd be right. Oh, there She's you go. She's a stunt lady. That's fantastic. Uh, her stunts, not motorcycle, not vehicular, mm-hmm. not trapeze. Oh, no. Nope, not trapeze. She balances herself oh. on stacks of chairs. Well, that's boring. No, she can get up to 100 chairs. Oh. That's quite high. Have you ever tried to stack two chairs? Well, I could do that when I was a younger man. Could you, though? Could you, though? A two. Okay. All right. Well, she can get it up to 100. That's pretty precarious. No, that's a big word for you, young It is. I don't know what it means, but I'm hoping it fits. Next, we have from Centennial, Colorado, Ron Cummins. Ron Cummins. Yes. What does Ron Cummins do in Colorado? Uh, Ron Cummins is a uh, old-fashioned dairy churn butter churner. Oh. Yeah. So he beats it like it owes him money. Oh, well, I wasn't going to say that. Okay. That's just, I don't, you're, back in your day, maybe that was all right to say. Yes. But uh, he just churns butter. What are you doing over there? You're just <laughs> churning the butter? Oh, dear. Maybe. Maybe. Well, thank you, Ron Cummins. Keep churning. Keep, that's their expression. It's keep on, the, it's keep on, on churning. It's on the business card. Next, we have Jean. Jean. She's just Jean. Yep. Just, well, not just Jean. Well, that's She's all her name says. That. It doesn't oh, say anything okay. more. I'm not saying just as in... Solely, like I'm saying, is in solely that is the only thing that I see on the page. Well, let me elaborate. Pontificate. That's not the right word. Oh, are uh, you the Pope? Because the Pope is the one who's supposed to pontificate. Maybe I am. Because he is the pontiff after all. Maybe I am. She, so, Jean lives in Stockholm. Oh, Sweden. Sweden. Lovely place. Lovely. And what does she do in Stockholm? Barrel racing. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a big industry out there. Well, a big sport out there. Uh, only a select few can earn a living. Jean's one of them. But oh, it's, so she's a professional barrel racer. She is. She is. And so, uh, and no, it's not just you. You push a barrel down and what? No, no, you're in the barrel. Hmm. So I mean, you really you got to work on the aerodynamics, the durability. Because if you hit a rock in a barrel. You know, you're going to want some kind of padding on the inside, but that, that barrel's got to sustain and, and, and survive that rock hit. And so it's a lot more to it than you can, and they have little windows in it so yeah, that they can not. see out okay. as it's rolling. Oh. You go very, very brief second to I see I just it. fell asleep there for a minute. <laughs> well, I think it's exciting. Gene thinks it's exciting. So maybe you should try it. And then next and then... we have Will Dichter. From Logan, Utah. I wonder if he's related to Ron Cummings. Cummings. Will Dichter. Uh Uh, Will Dichter from Logan, Utah. 
Yep. What does Will Dichter do? Uh, Will Dichter is a, uh, a Will likes to, is a hobby. He's a stay-at-home dad. So, oh. so he's a, his hobby is um, I'm speed, waiting. speed walking. Oh. Speed, competitive speed walking. Oh, is he chasing the children all around? Is that why he speed walks? Well, that's how he got the start because he's oh. like always like, Samantha, get back here, and you know, and, and so he would he, he would be like, maybe I should make this take this to a competitive level, and that's when he started to competitively train. Um, tried out for the uh, Hamilton uh, team. The Speedwalkers. The Speedwalkers of yeah. Hamilton. Oh, that's, that's he wild. tried out for them, did not make it. But that didn't deter him. He's still out there every day. But walking. he's from Logan, Utah. No, Why would I he don't. try out for Hamilton? Don't ask me. You got to talk to that him. That was a good show, by the way. What about Hamilton? The singing. Oh, oh, Hamilton. oh yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know, you got to talk to Will about why he went. I remember Hamilton when I think he was he... alive. I'm that old. <laughs> that seems right. Uh, you got to ask Will. I mean, maybe he knew that Hamilton was really an easy group to get into. Yeah. But he didn't. But nonetheless, he's still, he's out there every day walking speedily. Well, him. thank you, Will Dichter. Thank you. Next we have, oh, Karen Trounce. Yeah. And she's from Kanata. Ontario. Oh, Kanata, not yeah. Canada. Very close. Kanata. Yes. Yeah. And she's Karen. She spells her name with an I instead yeah. of an E, so she's not a Karen. No, 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 no. She, 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 Anyone who is nice enough to give us a little dough is no. not a Karen. No, no. She's she's what all other Karens aspire to oh, be. Oh, that's nice. So that's what she does for work. Yeah. She aspires to be a good Karen. A prototypical Karen. Uh, she goes out and does seminars to other Karens. To, like, to this say, is, don't be an this, asshole, Karen. Yes, this, okay, here's how you Karen, all right? Yes. Let's break it down. Let's, she's got, like, PowerPoints of, oh. like, uh, no again, Karen. I'm falling asleep. No, with bad Karen. <laughs> yes. And then with good Karen. Uh, it's really, it's quite a seminar. It's, like, seven hours long. You wouldn't really think it needed to be, but it is. Next, we have a good friend of ours from the Yumba Yard. Oh. His name is Alex Dick. Good old Alex. And I know he's a dairy farmer. Y is he? Yes. Does he churn butter as well? I'm not sure. He might do that in his off time. <laughs> well, I mean, who doesn't when it comes to it? Right. Uh, Alex is a swell, swell person. Yes, well, yes. He's one of my favorite yumber yarders because he interacts with us. And he's kind as hell. I've received lovely, kind messages and comments. For, but yeah, Alex is good peeps. He is good people. Yeah. You're getting that dairy money. <laughs> Next, we have Kylie Schinkel. Mm -hmm. And she is from Omaha, Nebraska. Aren't we all, when it comes down to it? The Mutual of Omaha. Oh, yeah. With Marlon Perkins. Yeah. Does she go out and do animal documentaries like Marlon? I, I don't think so. Oh, what no. does she do in Omaha? No, uh, she um, is a... Uh, oh... So you know high-rise buildings? No. You don't? Oh, yes. I forgot how you're... you're yeah. Okay. There were none. Do you remember windows? Were those around? There, there were some. Okay. So 
uh, on high-rise buildings, which are very tall buildings, Ooh. they go very far in the sky. You mean like the Sears Tower in Chicago? Very, very much, very oh, much. Or the Empire State Building? Yep, that one, yes. Those are the, you've named the two. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's that all of them. around when I was a youngster. That's all of them. Uh, Kylie uh, is a window cleaner. Oh. So you'll see them hanging off the roof. She does it old school, though. Get this. Get this is how she does it. Normally now they have like these motorized. Yeah. Nope. She ties a rope around her feet, hangs upside down, and cleans a window. And then somebody will move the rope a bit more, and she'll. Yeah, it's. I don't know why she does it like that. I'm, I can't imagine that it's more efficient. I think she's just really showing the world. It sounds irresponsible. Well, no, she hasn't died yet. Oh, yet. Yes. So far, an, she's batting a hundred. Yes, is an indication that it's possible. <laughs> She's batting a hundred so far, striking every time, and so or hitting home runs every time, I should say. Uh, so you know, why would that change? There you go. Yeah. Next we have care. Care. C A R E. Care. Yeah, very loving. Oh, that's what. Where's care from? Uh oh God. Uh, do you remember the whalers? She's from Jamaica. No, the Hartford Whalers. Oh, goodness She's gracious. From Hartford. Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. Yeah. It could be care is really that could be anybody. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, care. Care. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yeah, care. We really do. Thank we know you, you care. Thank because you. it's obvious because it's your name. It is. And what care does is care leads a campaign to get the whalers back. Into Hartford. They, Good luck. They were very disappointed when Seattle got a team. I like the California Golden Seals. Oh, yeah. Bring them back. <laughs> bring them back. Uh, uh, yeah, so CARE has been trying to get a team back in Hartford. And amazingly, it's getting no momentum. Yeah. You would think it would just people would be clamoring for the Hartford Whalers. But they're not. Which, oh my God, their theme song is amazing. If you Google that, it's great. Okay. It's really great. I will. Yeah. Uh, next we have Terry, and she is from Salmon Arm, British Columbia. Oh, yes. Which is ne- right the next to Trout Leg. Yes, Trout. <laughs> salmon Arm. Trout. Tru- I get it. I see what you did what there, Grant. What does Terry do in Salmon Arm? Uh, Terry. I hope she doesn't work in that shitty hotel I stayed in. <laughs> oh, my oh, I remember you telling me about oh, it's that. Oh, terrible. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, what Terry does is Terry is a tree shaver. Oh. Yeah. The, oh, because there's beards on trees yeah. at some points. At some points. And it is Terry's job to go from tree to tree mm. and shave them. Uh, has yet to find all the trees. No. Working diligently towards the trees. And you'd be uh, blown away by how much shaving is involved. I'm just saying it's not a good job. There you go. Yeah. And uh, as far as patrons go, our last one for this week is Fallon Nadell. Oh. And she, I don't know where, where on earth is she from? Uh Oh, uh, Jake Jake and Pemba. Where is it? Where the hell is Pemba? Pemba is a uh, territory. Oh, okay. Sm- well, uh, 
my memory serves me correct, Pemba is a small island territory just 35 miles off the coast of Tanzania. Oh, well, there you go. That, I think that's if my memory serves me correct. What does Fallon do in Pemba? Pemba. Tig tig or whatever it is. Tig tig in Pemba. Uh, uh, she works. Fallon works for the tourism board of Pemba. Oh. Yeah. She doesn't do a very good job. Well, I've no. never heard of it. I know. Well, that's that's where they've really failed. Is all of their marketing? Oh, all of the Pemba travel marketing. Mm-hmm. They, they just air in Pemba. I think they really. I think Fallon has really lost sight of what marketing is. I desperately want this to be over. My voice is getting sore. <laughs> Well, I've only got a lot more things to talk about, Pemba. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's time for... Oh, dear. It's time for donut money. Donut money. We have Jordan Allen. Jordan says, a little gift for you boys for your bravery last week, though it must be hard. Oh. It helps. Even one person is worth it. Thank you for sharing your beautiful souls with us, ex Jordan O'Neill. Oh, Jordan. Oh, thank you, Jordan. Jordan, that really does mean Where's a lot. Where's Jordan from? Jordan is from, uh, oh, Manila. Oh, in envelopes. Y- yes. Oh, Philippines. Yes. No, yes. the envelopes. Oh, the envelopes. <laughs> the envelopes. And what does she do in the uh, Philippines? She drives one of those, those um, what are they, mini Moog or whatever buses. There's just those really crazy oh, buses. Oh, the ones that Robert Young Pelton said don't get into because you'll be killed. Yeah. 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 That, that's what she, she drives one of those. Um, and she probably, and this isn't really probably the best thing to say publicly, but if I know Jordan and I know Jordan, she probably typed that up in, in while driving. And here's, oh boy. I, I know, I know, but that's how dedicated to us and her job she is. Next we have Jane Howard and oh. I guess she's from Estevan, uh, Estevan. Yeah. Yeah. Because she says another dose of donut money for the whole ignorant from a never-ending parade of stupid <laughs> you've dealt with lately. Well, thank you. <laughs> Your podcast rocks. It's also Estevan, the, as in the perp drives a van. Sorry to be that guy, but I live here, and we aren't fancy enough for Vaughn. <laughs> Estevan. Estevan. That's the best breakdown of... So, of- you know why I say Vaughn? Because that it is when you're from the East Coast, you say aunt. And not ant. Oh, oh, right. It's a more British pronunciation. So we tend toward. Yes, it's your aunt. That is the best breakdown, though. Of we're not sophisticated enough. What does Jane do in Estevan? Um, um, woo. That's a. It's been a while since we've talked, and so if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Jane. Yes. Um, is a spearfisher. Oh, I doubt there's much fish to be speared in Estevan. Well, okay, so, I mean... She's retired. She's not retired. <laughs> Still active, but she... Um, okay, so she has a pool in her backyard mm-hmm. that she's converted into, like, a giant fish tank. Oh, boy. And she keeps thousands of big fish in there. Yes. And that she spear hunts them. That's great. It's not really, but yeah. Next, we have a young man who I've known for many, many years. His name is Lorne Sear. It is. Lorne is an interesting gentleman. I've met Lorne. 
Yes. I, I've hugged Lauren. Yes. And I am grateful for the hugs. Are you? Yeah. He probably gave you the COVID-19 when probably, I was doing There may that. have been groping. But. He, one time. <laughs> oh, no. One time he whispered into Carol's ear. Oh, God. He said, my sores are open and weeping. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Thank you, my friend. That sounds about right. <laughs> it is definitely something that he would say. We know he lives here in the Vancouver we do. area. We do. And I do believe he used to be a drywaller at one point, but I don't know what he's doing now. Now? Uh, well, he's moved on to other things. Such, okay. Such as, because he lives locally, you know, I still call it BC Place. I don't know what it's called anymore. All right. But he cleans the roof. Okay. In BC Place. I don't know if that's the best job for him. Uh, well, um, neither does he. He's on, he's on a trial. Okay. He's on a trial right now to see how it goes. Um, it's not going so great. Well. It's not going so great. He didn't realize how high up the roof was. Gotcha. And it's scaring him. Yeah, as it would. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, uh, he likes to bounce around on the roof. So that's fun. Well, there you go. There you go. So here we have one from Heather Rajot. That's it? That's all we're done? No. Oh. She says, Hi, Mike and Scott from Guelph, Ontario. And I do indeed work at the university, the home of the famous OVC, Ontario Veterinary College. I let Scott tell you what I do, though. Well, uh... What does she do at the at, the, at Guelph? It's not a very fun job. She um, cleans up all of the blood and fluids and organs of the dissected animals. animals. I know, I know. College. I know. Well, that's where that would happen. You've got to, you want to see what the heart of, of a kinkajou looks like. You've got to, you've got to dissect. And so, yeah, sadly, her job is to clean up the said innards. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. But she does it very lovingly and compassionately because she, she, re she loves every animal. After she makes a winky face in her note... She says, I was introduced to your podcast by a co-worker at the beginning of the pandemic, and now I blame you for my lack of productivity at home <laughs> as I have been through all of your episodes in about three months. Oh, man. I guess it's hard to be mad, though. I am so grateful to both of you for creating something special that we can share. Your humor, candor, and kindness are a rare combination these days. Oh, I have also enjoyed joining all your Facebook yards. <laughs> My favorite is the barnyard. My bulldog, Lana, was quickly matched up by fellow members with bulldog, Steve. Oh, oh Steve. celebrity Steve. And I am pleased to say that she is completely smitten. Thanks for all you do and for converting me into a true crime podcast enthusiast. Oh. Can't wait for all the episodes to come. And she goes on to say uh, how her name is pronounced. Raj, as in like uh. Taj Mahal, and Ot, like Ot. There we oh, go. You, yeah. C'est français. Thank you. C'est français, uh, lady. Yeah, oui, oui. Les jeunes filles. Yeah, oui, oui. Uh, get out of here, Grandpa. I've had enough. This oh, time. man. man he smells. He just kicks me out of the way. He smells like mothballs. And he just urine. leaves me. Oh, my goodness. I know. I would maybe not sit in that seat if well, I Well, it did you. kind of squish uh -huh. when I sat yep. back there. Yep, I'll do it. Yeah, That'll it, be wasn't, it. it wasn't good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Grandpa's. Uh, I, Grandpa's got. Uh, he's got some prostate issues. <laughs> well, that's good to know after. Well, you know, 
after spending time sitting across from yeah. him. Yeah, and, and we're not making fun of that because somebody sit, also sitting in this chair has prostate <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, so, wow. Thank you so much to our patrons, past and present, for your support of the show. We really appreciate your donut money oh and your God, Patreon yeah. donations. Do we ever. Uh, if you want to support us, you can do so at patreon.com slash darkpoutine or via PayPal at our email address, darkpoutinepodcast at gmail.com. If you don't already subscribe to the show, it mean a lot to us if you could. You can easily find us on iTunes Podcast, Stitcher TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your on-demand audio. Check out our website, darkpoutine.com, for show notes and other cool stuff. Give us a like or follow on Facebook and Instagram. Most importantly, thanks for listening and tell your friends about us. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. Until we return, don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Bye-bye, everybody. Good night. Sleep.